Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Who do the Steelers go with at quarterback? We're going to talk to Adam Bittner. I'm Chris Carter here, here of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And this is the North Shore Drive podcast. Kenny Pickett may start this weekend if he's cleared, but it's unclear who would be the guy after him, or is it? We'll talk about Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, as the town of Pittsburgh is buzzing about who should get the start if Kenny Pickett can't go. We'll also talk about what's going wrong with special teams and a special honor earned by a pit football player who's most likely going to the NFL. All that and more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. We are the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Remember, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, and especially on YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button in the video. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of this show and the daily content we pump out here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's YouTube page. Also, today's episode is brought to you by the Accuracy Fan Advantage the power to project one of our post Steelers beat writers into your home or office by using augmented reality, you can get an exclusive pregame breakdown from a Steelers expert standing right in your living room. Get the latest insights on starting lineups, key matchups, and critical stats at post-gazette.com slash Advantage. No apps or downloads, just insider access to Steelers updates at post-gazette.com slash Advantage and get a real edge on this week's action. Now, Adam... There's some people who think the Steelers would have an edge if they started Mason Rudolph. And I just, when I hear this talk going on in Pittsburgh, I think back to, I'm just like, man, do people really think that things are going to be that much different from the last several times he started as a quarterback? But I get it. Mitch Trubisky threw three interceptions. He hasn't impressed really. I think the, the most impressive he was was when he came in off the bench to play against the Buccaneers and he helped the Steelers get a, get a win in that game. But otherwise, he hasn't delivered. In your estimation, is there real merit to starting Mason Rudolph at this point? Because to me, that seems like that would be going backwards in a way that's like, hey, you don't even have that guy on the roster next year. Mitch Trubisky's at least under contract, and you and you've kind of resigned yourself to this position. Or is this worth a shakeup right now? You know, I've studied the numbers, Chris. I went into the PFF grades this week, and I actually wrote about this topic a little bit. And, you know, uh, PFF does not really have a – there's no debate there. They think Mitch Trubisky is – you know, when he's playing, they think he's been a top 15 quarterback. Now, does that mean the offensive results have been, you know, top 15? Absolutely not. I think when he played early in the season, he did so without the benefit of the running game that the Steelers have now. Um and of course, this past Sunday they didn't have it. Oh, the, all that progress we had seen since the bye week, you know, mm-hmm. in the running game that it really helped Kenny Pickett along. You know, Mitch Trubisky never had that before. He didn't have that Sunday. Um, 
you know, and, and the offense was a lot more basic, you know, for that reason. So he's done well with the things he's been asked to do this season. Um, the three interceptions were bad, absolutely. He also had three big-time throws on Sunday against the Ravens, which was, you know, second only to Kirk Cousins in week four. Uh, was last week, week 14? I think it was week 14. I'm running. It's all running together now, Chris. It's getting too. Last late week was season. week 14. Yes. No. I, I, but I feel you though. It's the it's that part of the year. Yeah. So I mean, he had several big time throws. The 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 passing game was you know fairly explosive. His, his average depth of target was 11 yards. So he was working well downfield, and and without those turnovers, it, it would have been a pretty good day. His grade, even with the three interceptions, was 12th among all quarterbacks in week 14. So. I just I don't see the the need for Mason Rudolph. I guess is my point. Um, you know, I know why the Steelers want to have Kenny Pickett in there, even if his stats at times have not been as good as Mitch Trubisky's. Kenny Pickett is the future of the franchise, right? He's the guy that you want to start for the long term. He's the guy that can save you big money on the cap. Mitch Trubisky's probably not. So even if Mitch Trubisky's a slightly better quarterback right now. That doesn't necessarily mean he should be starting over a rookie like Kenny Pickett. But if the goal is to win games without Kenny Pickett available, you can do a lot worse than Mitch Trubisky. No, I agree with that. Like Mitch Trubisky's not the worst backup quarterback in the NFL by any means. In fact, I'd rank him pretty high on the list of backup quarterbacks. But still, I, I get people's frustration. And I'll say this because all, all three interceptions were absolutely his fault. And were things that veterans should check out of. You know, he even admitted, I stayed on Pat Frymuth too long on this one. I stared him down on this one. On two on the two interceptions over the middle, he stared right at, at his guy, and the linebackers were just like, oh, thank you. And then on the interception to Deontay Johnson, he stared at him the whole way. And this the only safety that was on that was that was playing deep coverage was just like, well, he's definitely going that way. And he breaks that way long before Mitch Trubisky even lets the ball go. Uh, and he still threw it where he had George Pickens wide open on the other side of the field. Those things I, I do feel like there's there's frustration there. But too many times I think we've seen Mason Rudolph come out and we, we've seen what he's there. Mason Rudolph is purely the break glass in case of emergency quarterback for the Steelers right now. Like if Mitch Trubisky has thrown three interceptions and can't move the ball at all, and there's no hope because in that game he did he already had thrown a touchdown. He eventually threw a second touchdown and uh, and got them a chance that gave the defense a chance to if they get the stop, maybe the Steelers could 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 have won the game. Um, so it wasn't like he was completely helpless in the game, but he still makes those huge those huge misses and i think that's why he he's a he's a you know a second overall pick of a quarterback who didn't work out because he's he can't develop any consistency but i also think that any you're fooling yourself if you think mason rudolph is going to just bring you that level of consistency i think mason is a fine backup quarterback as well but i don't think that he's some huge upgrade over mitch trubisky i i do get this though if Mitch comes out, is let, let's say Kenny Pickett doesn't play against the Carolina Panthers. Let's say Mitch Trubisky goes out and he's terrible against the Panthers and nothing's going. I do see them going to Mason Rudolph in, in that point. And that's kind of where Mason Rudolph is supposed to be on this team is the again, break glass in case of emergency. But I, I don't think it's as automatic as, yeah, he's just got he just needs to go in right now. Because again, we've seen Mason Rudolph for, for, for years now, and he hasn't been the answer that some people are trying to make him out to be right now because everyone loves the backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, Chris. If 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 not for those three interceptions, you know, let, let's just pretend that those were fumbles, right? That they fumbled the ball on all three of those plays instead of th throwing interceptions. It was the receivers 
um, or the running backs who turned the ball over instead of Mitch Trubisky. What would you say about the, the game that Mitch played on Sunday? You'd say they were probably moving the ball as well consistently as they have in any game all season. Um, and, and that doesn't absolve him from those three turnovers. It's just a point of fact that when he wasn't throwing interceptions, he was pretty good. Um, and, and if he can limit, you know, and, and maybe the turnovers are part of who he is, and, and that's true. Um, and, and that you're going to get those, you got to take the good with the bad. Um, you know, but I, I still think sometimes you're going to get lucky and you're going to have a game where he doesn't turn it over. And I just think there's a lot more upside with Mitch Trubisky than there is with Mason Rudolph. I think we've seen the best of what Mason Rudolph can be. Um, I don't know if we've seen that with Mitch Trubisky. And again, that's not, that's not an argument for, for Mitch to be the guy over Kenny Pickett um, <laughs> in, in the big picture, but in, you know, just looking at these next handful of weeks if Kenny Pickett can't go I don't really have a lot of compunction about stick, sticking with Mitch Trubisky through pretty much anything yeah I, I think I'm not torn up about it and again this is not to say anything bad about Mason like he's a bad person I, I just think he, he's been given his shot several times in Pittsburgh you know people are acting like oh he's never had a chance he had a chance last year when he started against the Detroit Lions and couldn't beat them he had a chance all of 2019 when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt and Devlin Hodges had to come in. Granted, he was hurt the first time, but eventually he came back in and was it was was so bad they just replaced him with Devlin Hodges, and Devlin Hodges won them football games after that. Uh, so I just I, I I'm not as I, you know I, again Mason Rudolph deserves credit for sticking in there and not you know you know unfollowing the Steelers on Instagram and things like that when he was the third string quarterback when he was the only quarterback that they've had left over from previous years after Ben Roethlisberger retired but all that still remains the same these are professionals and you're supposed to conduct yourself professionally and in my in my estimation I think in your estimation Mr. Trubisky is the better quarterback here um I just think that you know I I, I get what you're saying that the Steelers were moving the ball but I think it's it, it's a lot to say, well, if he didn't throw these three crushing interceptions, that if he doesn't throw at least one of them, they probably win the game. I, I, I can't do that with Mitch Trubisky. But I can say that, for example, he was under pressure eight times or nine times in the game, and he got off eight passes. All eight of those were completed for positive yards, and he was keeping drives alive. The Steelers were 50%, I believe, on third downs in that game, and that's a decent rate for a quarter for a backup quarterback situation with no running game. So again, I'm with you that I think Mitch Trubisky is still, you know, the guy temporarily over Mason Rudolph. I just, I just, my biggest thing is I don't, th I think that there's being too much being made over, well, just try the guy that we haven't seen yet. Maybe he'll be good. I just, people do that way too much in, in the football talk world. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, it's, it's not about excusing what, what Mitch Trubisky did wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just about, you know, remembering that there were other snaps in the game and, and, and evaluating him based on those as well. Um, other than those, those three interceptions. He, he played pretty well, and, and I, I think it's specifically in the context of this offense. Um, you know, if, if we had seen this from Kenny Pickett early in the season, if we'd seen several games where they were moving the ball like this, then right. yeah, it'd be a little easier for me to write off. But to me, they, they at times looked as good as they have all year. And, and so you just have to, you know, if we're evaluating what to do without Kenny Pickett, that has to matter to me. I heard you saying that. Uh, we're going to also switch it to another part of the team, and We've talked a lot about the defense and the offense, but what about the special teams? Because there's been times they've been good. There's been times they've been very bad. 
and they've pro- and they've proven costly. I think that they, some people could say they even somewhat cost the Steelers. Not somewhat. They cost the Steelers majorly in their loss to the Ravens. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But first, got to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. Wouldn't it be nice if the holidays were stress-free because you can get a hot tub, a swim spa, or a spa sauna from Valley Pool and Spa to help you feel like it is. Relax and soak away in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa before the snow flies. Refresh and rejuvenate in a thin layer sauna that is sure to melt your stress away faster than the frosty in Aruba. Save big now on all in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and saunas by visiting valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. Adam, let's talk about the special teams because there's been a lot of up and downs this year, a lot of downs. There have been ups, like Matthew Wright came in and gave some help, but they get Chris Boswell back. He gets a field goal blocked that if he makes the field goal, it uh, it's, it's the Steelers most likely win that game. Uh he gets uh, you know, Presley Harvin has a has a, a punt that goes 17 yards, another punt that nets 28 yards when he had a chance to pin them inside uh, inside the 10, uh, and it's just it's been inconsistency there. Uh, they gave up a big return against the Colts. Granted, they didn't they they hadn't given up too many big returns otherwise over the past several years. Um, I think their last touchdown that they gave up as far as a special teams touchdown was 2018 against the Chargers. But certainly there's inconsistencies. And I, I look at Presley Harvin. I got I was all on board for the train of let this rookie figure things out. He lost two family members in the middle of the season in very sad ways. And, you know, that's something tough to get over. But this year he's had plenty of time to get it together. And there's been good moments. He pinned the the Falcons to the one-yard line, uh, and that helped them beat the Falcons just the week before. But you see the inconsistency there in how he responds this week. What's been your outlook outlook on how this special teams unit has played? Well, it's just that, Chris. It's inconsistency everywhere. And so you're right. The the breakdowns that we saw against the Colts don't show up every week. It's hard for a you know kick coverage unit to be that bad every week, it's it's hard for the punter to be terrible every week. Uh, you know this is the NFL; these are professionals. The problem is that there's always something, right? It's missed field goals one week. It's the breakdowns in in kick coverage the next week. It's shoddy punting the next week. You know it's it's one thing after the other after the other where you when you have players that are that inconsistent in the NFL, it's gonna show up the way it has for the Steelers. And I think that's why, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who are not fans of Danny Smith and the results he's gotten. And I think that's entirely fair because it's not just one area. There's really only one area that they've been consistently solid. And that's Steven Sims in kick returning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's been pretty good in that regard. I think he's in the top six um, in, in return grade in, in for pro football focus. And so that's pretty good. Um, but you have to have you have to have more to hang your hat on than that if you're going to hang around as a special teams coach in the NFL. 
No, I I agree. The one thing I'll say about Danny Smith, because I'm a person who I've I've followed very closely how the Steelers special teams have played for years. I I think that there's a bad rap because no one talks about the Steelers special teams when they block the extra point that keeps them alive and gets them the win against the Bengals or when they block the punt that gets the touchdown against the Bills or when they shut down Cordero Patterson in a a special teams, you know, the, the, the the NFL's top kick return man who's setting, who's breaking NFL records. And that those are just those in recent instances. But for years when he took over, I think it was 2013 or 2014, the Steelers return return defense was terrible. They were, they were letting up big returns everywhere. He came in, it was rough for the first year, but after that it's steadied out for quite for, for, for ever since. And they've, they let up the occasional return here and there once every, I'd say three years, but by and large, they've been a decent unit. I don't think that he's Danny Smith's an award-winning special teams coach, but I do think that there's oftentimes when people see one bad thing every other month or so, they're like, "Ah, oh, this is this guy's terrible his job." But I'm like, "Well, wait a second. No one was giving him credit for when the you know Chris Boswell was becoming the most accurate kicker in Steelers history." By the way, I don't think Danny Smith has anything to do with that. Kickers are who they are. I think the biggest thing is that Danny Smith is responsible for is aligning guys up to get more blocks, block punts, get more blocked kits, and make sure that they don't happen in return. And like for example. The Calais Campbell blocked kick. Mike Tomlin even said that guy blocks the most kicks in the NFL. We needed to we needed to stop that from happening. That is on Danny Smith. But how often has that happened to the Steelers? That's where I feel like the Danny Smith portion of this isn't as big as people make it out to be. There's times that he could be better. I think as far as getting some of those guys together. But I think the biggest problem is Presley Harvin has not worked out um, as a punter, and they've given him ample opportunity. If they moved on from him at the end of the season, or at least brought in some some real competition to consider in training camp, I'd have no problem with that. I think that that's that they've been more than fair uh, about that position. Um, and you know, I think the other thing is, you know, they got to see about Boswell. You know, you know, is is he back? Because we only got to see him a little bit against the Ravens. He he only attempted one field goal, and that one was blocked. How does he look? You know, as far as being consistency consistent, I just think. Some of the special teams, there are certain things to point out and say, hey, these are specific problems. But when one of those problems happen, it gets lumped into things that people just assume have been bad for so long. And I'm like, when you look across the board, they haven't been as bad as you're making them out to be. Well, I'll say this for for, you. I'm just saying that the people that make those arguments. Sure. And I, I mean, I'll say this for his benefit is, you know, lack of depth goes all the way down the roster, right? You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're not deep at, at offensive positions, if you're not deep at certain defensive positions, the guys who are on special teams also probably aren't that good. Right. Uh, and so I think there's there's certainly a, like, you know, an aggregation of, of the mediocrity of this roster that, you know, Danny Smith doesn't have great players to work with. And, and that's why his, his unit is graded at 27th in the league right now in, in special teams um, is, is it's partly a talent problem. And we don't think about talent on special teams as, you know, a big deal, but think of those Super Bowl teams. There were some guys who, you know, were household names because they were, you know, just aces on special teams. And who are the guys that you would say right now are the Steelers aces on special teams? Robert Spillane, Miles Boykin, was Miles Killaboo for a bit, but he's dropped off. Um, but those are the, the top two that come to my mind. Steven Sims now, because he's been kick returning better. Those those would be my guys. James Pierre also has done a done a good job on special teams. Yeah, yeah. So it's like th- there's guys, but but there's also guys who aren't very good, and and, and sometimes that mm-hmm. shows up in, in full blown breakdowns. Um, you know what? We complain about the offensive line all the time. 
you know, sometimes that's going to show up on, on, you know, blocking a field goal. You know, that's just the way, that's just the way it goes. So I'll say that for Danny Smith's benefit. I think, again, the, the problem for me is that it's not just one thing. If it was just Presley Harvin, um, then you could say, okay, they, they made a, they made a bad choice there. But I think the problem that he has right now is that it's, it's a whole bunch of things and it, it seems to be something different every week. No, I agree. There is something different, but for example, punt coverage has actually been pretty good most for, for most of this year. They, they're actually the second best punt coverage unit in the NFL when you look at the yards allowed per punt uh, on the year. And some of that is sometimes Presley Harvard punting poorly and then just, you know, other teams just calling fair catch because, hey, we, we got the ball at the 50. But a lot of it is also when he does punt it and they have space, the Steelers are generally on it. That is where the special teams coaching come does come into play, where it's like, hey, I'm just going over the details with you guys and you guys got to deliver. And I do agree. This isn't, you know, this is, it hasn't been the best year for Steelers special teams, but also it hasn't been nearly as bad as I think as some people are making out to be. And yes, there are things that are, that could, that could be better. There are things that could be fixed and they are kind of popping up in different spots. But like, for example, against the Colts, they were missing to, there's a key special teamers. I believe Miles Boykin and Robert Spillane both missed that game. And They've kind of been the, the key forces on the on those units. I think that's contributed to some of the things. And if you take away the Colts game where they gave up the long returns, I think the first real complaint about special teams this year outside of Gunnar Olszewski fumbling against the Patriots, but again, it's not a coaching thing. That's just a he blew it in the situation. Um, was the blocked extra point? Was the blocked field goal that Chris Boswell had this year? So, to me. I, I feel like some of it is, hey, just getting right on return, guys. And, like, I, I've, I've talked to Danny Smith before, and I've talked to other people who, who who study special teams and study coaching and things like that. Oftentimes the return thing is, do you have the guy or do you not? And the Steelers thought they might have a guy in Gunnar Olszewski. They didn't. Steven Sims is working right now. We'll see how long that goes. But, like, when Deontay Johnson was the return man, they were doing pretty well because he was, he was pretty electric with the ball in his hands. When Antonio Brown was the return man – they were lighting everybody up because he was a very good return man. And I think it's just a matter of you need the guy. You don't just make somebody something something out of nothing there. It's up to that person, up to that player. And I think that's where sometimes the value of coaching, I think, is overstated. And sometimes it's just a matter of, hey, they line them up in the right spots. This guy has to catch the punt here or this guy has to do what he's assigned to do here. And if he can't, that's where you make the move and move on from. And maybe they need to do that with more of those depth guys like you were talking about. Yeah, and and like you said, like it's a it's a matter of talent. Antonio Brown was a Hall of Fame football player. Yeah, um, you know whether he ultimately gets there or not for what he's done off the field mm-hmm. is a separate question. But he was a Hall of Fame football player. Deontay Johnson is a pretty good NFL receiver. Steven Sims is a guy who who was fighting for a roster spot. Um, and, and so through that context, they've they've done a pretty good job with him because you necessarily have to have lower expectations of a Steven Sims compared to some of the other guys we've been talking about. Um, you know, but. It, it, it's 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 a definitely a nuanced conversation. I just think the the aggregation of all of the issues we've seen this this season, um, you know, he Danny Smith deserves to be accountable for that. In my opinion, oh, he, he should be. And I think like like for example, that's a big moment. If they if they protect Chris Boswell, they, they make sure Clayus Campbell doesn't get up on that play. They probably win the Ravens game, and we're not talking about half the things we were talking about this week. I mean, we're still talking about Kenny Pickett and concussion protocol, but still. There's six and seven, not five and eight. And then we're talking about, oh, can could they win, beat the Panthers and the Raiders and then get to maybe a winning record this season? I do agree. And those are the moments that he's supposed to not allow to happen. And I do agree. And also, Danny Smith's an older coach. I think that you, they'd be fine moving on with him after this year. I just think that 
some things are put too much on him versus versus others. But it's a, again, it's a pile on situation. A what situation? Piling on. You oh, know. piling on. I thought yeah. you said pylon, and I'm like, that's a football term I've never heard. But piling on, <laughs> I, I hear you. I, I, uh, I, I hear you on that. But we got to switch football topics and switch football teams because. There was a distinct honor passed out to a specific football player on Wednesday. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast and what it means for Pat Narduzzi's program. But first, we got to talk to you guys about Yinzers in the Berg. Yinzers, listen up. If you're a big Pittsburgh sports fan, the best place to get all of your merchandise is Yinzers in the Berg. They've got two legendary stores in the Strip District. Where they've got Steelers gear, Penguins gear, Pirates gear, Pit gear, anything Pittsburgh sports, they've got it there. And you can run your black and gold, your blue and gold, whatever your Pittsburgh sports fancy is. And they've got tons of different merchandise. It's not just apparel, it's accessories. And there's so many things that's always there. And if you can't get to the Strip District, to either of their stores, you can go online any point in time to yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com to get all of your Pittsburgh sports apparel from Yinzers in the Berg. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. We are the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's switch it up here. Let's talk some pit football. Kalijah Kansi uh, was named. We were watching this throughout the week. He became a consensus All-American. I believe it was on two. No, it was on when on Monday uh, when he got his when he got his third of the five major All-American lists. And now, after both the American Football Coaches Association and the and Sporting News, they've named him first-team All-American as a defensive tackle. That's all five of the NCAA recognized list, which makes him a unanimous All-American in honor that has not been earned by a pit football player since Aaron Donald in 2013. Before that, Larry Fitzgerald in 2003 puts Elijah Kansi among a lot of pit greats. He's the 15th uh, unanimous All-American and the 13th overall player, I believe, because uh, Hugh Green and Bill Frelick earned it twice. So uh, they're, they're in that, that 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 list there. But I think it's really impressive for Elijah Kansi to get this honor. He led pit football with 7.5, 7.5 sacks and uh, 14.5 uh, tackles for loss. That he, that was also The pit was also the leading sack team in the country this year. Um, he's another star from the, from a Charlie Partridge defensive line unit. He's Pat Narduzzi's fifth consensus All-American, first unanimous All-American. And it kind of you know takes a step back and you say, like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, there are disappointments with pit football. Like they didn't get to the college football playoff or even get to the ACC championship game this, this year. And that was disappointing. But it's clear the recruiting, the keeping of players. Pat Narduzzi does have something here with keeping talent around and getting guys to be top producers in college football that are getting recognized. And Kalijah Kansi is another example of that. Yeah, I think it speaks speaks really well of, of the development regime. Um, you know, I I get the optimism. I guess I'll I'll be the the negative one, be the bad cop here a little bit in that, you know, Pitt has always seemed to, to be able to churn out, you know, more than their fair share of, of these types of guys. And the seasons that they've had with, with some of these guys, other than Kenny Pickett, have, have been, you know, disappointing. You think of, of Aaron Donald, I think Kalijah Kansi doesn't get that same level of respect among Pitt fans because expectations were so high this season. Yeah, uh, and so when they fell short of those expectations, it almost feels like it cheapens what what Kansi's done. Whereas when Aaron Donald was doing the stuff at Pitt, because people didn't have high expectations for the team, it, <laughs> I remember you know people were were tweeting about him constantly. It was like a sensation watching Aaron Donald play. 
um, for good reason. He's going to be, a, you know, an NFL Hall of Famer the yeah. instant he retires. Um, it just feels like the tone is a little bit different because of what the expectations were when he played versus when, um, you know, and I'll even, we'll throw Larry Fitzgerald in there too. You know, those teams weren't unbelievably amazing, but he made them appointment television. I think Cansey has been harmed by the expectations for what this season could have been. No, I agree with that. That 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 definitely there. And I think it, you know part of it is the season people being disappointed there. Um, you know, also you know I think we've seen some double-digit sack guys like Jalen Twyman had a really big uh, you know last year getting sacks for Pitt. And I think it was 2019 before he set out the 2020 season. Aaron Donald, of course, won all the defensive awards uh, when it, when he that that in 2013 when it was just. You know, basically, there's a there's a picture of him just standing with all his all his accolades and everything. It was ridiculous. But Kalaja Kansi is still special in that way. And I mean, I remember when he came and started playing more for Pitt in 2020. You know, Pat Narduzzi talking about him like he's the little upstart guy. He's lightning quick, but he has to get you know his his fundamentals sharpened. He sharpened those fundamentals. He became one of those key players. And and now this is. The like I said, the fifth Pat Narduzzi consensus All American and his third defensive lineman to be a consensus All American. You had Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones earn that honor in 2020. I think it's also a testament to Charlie Partridge knows what the heck he's doing with with pit football and getting getting guys out. And because I remember sitting there covering them in 2020 and thinking, huh. Like, well, two All-Americans just left. This defensive line can't, you know, kind of keep up with that. They're, they're going to need some time to rebuild. And they were number two in sacks last year and then number one in sacks this year. So they they seem to keep getting guys. We still got Elliot Donald, Aaron Donald's nephew, who's going to be coming up next year. Uh, Devin Danielson will still be there. Dayon Hayes, the kid out of Westinghouse, just had a three-sack game against Miami. He'll be most likely a starter at the defensive end position. You got Nakai Johnson, and there's so many other kids that there's a lot of excitement for. Um, so I, I think that Kalaja can see it's a really good story for Pitt because of how he came up in the program. And there were rumors last year that after they won the ACC championship game and they had their great season, there were rumors that people were trying to steal him away with NIL money. And sure, Jordan Addison went away, but Kalaja can didn't. He stuck around and you see the payoff there. I think that as Pitt is getting closer to National Signing Day, which is next Wednesday, um, the, the 21st. It's going to be cool. It, I think th- these are only things that help the program when they're trying to get more people. And they say, see what happens when you when you pick Pitt and then you stick with Pitt, you get these kind of honors. Yeah, and, and just something I wanted to say from the stats nerd perspective is, um, you know, I do PFF college grades too, you mm-hmm. know, every third of the season after every four games. And, um, you know, when you say seven and a half sacks, you think, well, that's not like that high of a total. Um, but if I'm you look at the yeah, if you look at the pressures that he racked up, um, you know, quarterback hits, hurries, um, in addition to the sacks, in addition to the tackles for loss, it's it's staggering. And that's why he is, um, you know, the analytics love him. I, you know, he he would be one of the, if based on analytics alone, he might be a top five draft pick. Um, you know, and obviously there's other things that come into consideration as well, and, and that's entirely fair. But, you know, the numbers love him. and don't So don't let that sack total fool you. Um, this isn't just a case of of unearned hype. I, I don't think. I think he's he's got a lot behind him. He does. Because like you said, it's not just the sacks, it's the pressures. He gets in the backfield to blow up run plays a lot. He moves people and Pitt moved him all across the defensive line. He wasn't just zero technique, one technique, a three technique. He was lining up on the edge on the edge on occasion and, and kind of moving around. He's someone that I think the Steelers should maybe try try to look at this <laughs> season, you know, as they need to get guys. Um at, 
you know, not that they haven't already invested in enough pit players with Kenny Pickett being their starting quarterback and everything, but uh, but he he fits the mold. I think that a lot of teams. I think he's going to be a first round pick. You know, I've been doing. I've been like running through like the a lot of the people that say like where guys are going to fall just to see where Kalaja Kansi would. And uh, you know, I, every time I do one of the models and I, I I you know do a mock draft just to see where the where computers put him. Every time he can't get past like the 28th or 29th pick, he doesn't get out of the first round. And I think that that would be a, a really interesting feat there. Pitt gets back-to-back years with first-round picks in Kalijah Kansi and uh, Kenny Pickett. Oddly enough, they wore the same number in number eight. Um, but Hey, hey uh, Chris, sure. let me stop you there. Wait, ahead, if you're the Steelers, would you t- try to trade up with that uh, Bears pick? I mean, it's not that big of a leap, right? It's maybe five it, picks. It, it would it would be it, it, I think I would yeah because here's the thing it also depends on who they get with the first pick because we don't know where they're gonna end up right now they're at the 13th pick the 13th pick was not it not is not where I would necessarily take Cansey I try to take him later in the first um, it's also too late to take Jalen Carter who I think is the top is gonna be the top defensive line pick he's probably gonna go top five. Um, but if you're sitting there and you address, say, the offensive line with your first pick, the defensive line has to be a priority this offseason. If Kansi's sitting there, I have a hard time passing up that, op- that opportunity there just because I-, I would be looking like, man, like, let's go up and make, make sure this happened. I wouldn't give up the other second round pick to do it, um, but I would certainly look at that. But there's other guys like Siaki Ika from, from Baylor who I'd want to give a look because he's 6'4". The one thing that I think plays against Kalaja Kansi, oddly enough, was thought to be this thing that plays that played against Aaron Donald was the lack of height because, you know, length is important in the trenches. Um, and Aaron Donald was was thought to be short. I think he's, what, 6'1". Kalaja's six foot flat. And so he's smaller, but he's quicker. He's strong. He, he's learned how to beat people. I still think he's an asset. I just don't think that he's... 13th overall pick of an asset and maybe I could be completely wrong there um but there's other defensive linemen who I think that could naturally fall to them and be interesting for but if I'm if I'm the Steelers and I and I really like him and I've talked to him because he's been in my building for the past four years or whatever and I really am set on him I might move up to get him because I do think he's an electric playmaker I still think the Steelers would need a pure nose tackle at some point some behemoth of an individual who is like 6'4", 300 pounds, and just eats blockers up and, and get keeps linebackers free. But Kalaja Kansi and DeMarvin Leal could be a good, like, athletic pair of defensive ends that you move around and create problems. So certainly something I would consider with that, with that, uh, with that bears draft pick that man, if the Texans had just beaten the Cowboys, we'd be talking about maybe that being the first overall pick of the second round, which would be the 32nd pick of the draft. Cause the dolphins forfeited pick. Sorry. I'm nerding out about draft stuff and we still, it's, it's only, it's only December. That's how you know the Steelers are bad. <laughs> yes, and and we'll have plenty of that on the channel. That kind of talk when when the time comes. But it's it's fun to do a little tease, especially when we start talking about you know, the Steelers are going to have a lot of local options. I think you know as the draft unfolds, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about Joey Porter Jr. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given that he has Steelers ties and Penn State ties, so um, it's going to be a fun draft season. I think because the Steelers have picks and there are good local players coming out this year. Certainly, we'll keep an eye on all of that right here. But we also will get you ready for Carolina Panthers versus Pittsburgh Steelers on Friday with our episode with Brian Batko. It's going to be a fun one. We'll be talking about all things Steelers then. And we'll see if there's an update in Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin says that if he's cleared, he will play. But will he be? This is the second time he's been in the concussion protocol since he's been with the Steelers. 
It's going to be something close to watch. And then we'll get to see who does start at the quarterback position. All that and more right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stay with us for the rest of the week. Also, stay with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, sports, sports uh, YouTube page here because uh, Pitt's in the Final Four for volleyball. That's going to be really I- exciting. Noah Hiles is there covering that. We'll have a lot of things breaking that down. I'm sure him and Andrew Destin will be breaking things down more on college sports later this week. But it's going to be a fun time. Andrew, uh, Andrew, Adam, thank you for joining me here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. We are the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This has been the North Shore Drive Podcast. See you Friday when we return with Brian Batko. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.